Chapter Five of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Five, Father Gibault. Great movements in the affairs of men are like tides of the seas, which reach and affect the remotest and quietest nooks and inlets, imparting a thrill and a swell of the general motion. Father Gibault brought the wave of the American Revolution to Vincennes. He was a simple missionary but he was besides a man of great worldly knowledge and personal force colonel george rogers clark made father gibault's acquaintance at kaskaskia when the fort and its garrison surrendered to his command and quickly discerning the fine qualities of the priest's character sent him to the post on the wabash to win over its people to the cause of freedom and independence nor was the task assumed a hard one as father gibault probably well knew before he undertook it a few of the leading men of vincennes presided over by gaspard roussillon held a consultation at the river-house and it was agreed that a mass meeting should be called bringing all of the inhabitants together in the church for the purpose of considering the course to be taken under the circumstances made known by father gibault oncle jason constituted himself an executive committee of one to stir up a noise for the occasion it was a great day for vincennes the volatile temperament of the french frontiersmen bubbled over with enthusiasm at the first hint of something new and revolutionary in which they might be expected to take part without knowing in the least what it was that father gibault and oncle jason wanted of them they were all in favour of it at a venture rené de ronville being an active and intelligent young man was sent about through the town to let everybody know of the meeting in passing he stepped into the cabin of father beret who was sitting on the loose puncheon floor with his back turned toward the entrance and so absorbed in trying to put together a great number of small paper fragments that he did not hear or look up are you not going to the meeting father rene bluntly demanded in the hurry that was on him he did not remember to be formally polite as was his usual habit the old priest looked up with a startled face at the same time he swept the fragments of paper together and clutched them hard in his right hand yes yes my son yes i am going but the time has not yet come for it has it he stammered is it late he sprang to his feet and appeared confused as if caught in doing something very improper rene wondered at this unusual behaviour but merely said i beg pardon father beret i did not mean to disturb you and went his way father beret stood for some minutes as if dazed then squeezed the paper fragments into a tight ball just as they were when he took them from under the floor some time before rene came in and put it in his pocket a little later he was kneeling as we have seen him once before in silent yet fervent prayer his clasped hands lifted toward the crucifix on the wall jesus give me strength to hold on and do my work he murmured beseechingly and oh free thy poor servant from bitter temptation father gibault had come prepared to use his eloquence upon the excitable creoles and with considerable cunning he addressed a motley audience at the church telling them that an american force had taken kaskaskia and would henceforth hold it that france had joined hands with the americans against the british and that it was the duty of all frenchmen to help uphold the cause of freedom and independence i come said he directly from colonel george rogers clark a noble and brave officer of the american army who told me the news that i have brought to you 
he sent me here to say to you that if you will give allegiance to his government you shall be protected against all enemies and have the full freedom of citizens i think you should do this without a moment's hesitation as i and my people at kaskaskia have already done but perhaps you would like to have a word from your distinguished fellow-citizen m gaspard roussillon speak to your friends my son they will be glad to take counsel of your wisdom there was a stir and a craning of necks m roussillon presently appeared near the little chancel his great form towering majestically he bowed and waved his hand with the air of one who accepts distinction as a matter of course then he took his big silver watch and looked at it he was the only man in vincennes who owned a watch and so the incident was impressive father gibault looked pleased and already a murmur of applause went through the audience m roussillon stroked the bulging crystal of the timepiece with a circular motion of his thumb and bowed again clearing his throat resonantly his face growing purplish above his beard good friends he said what france does all high-class frenchmen applaud he paused for a shout of approbation and was not disappointed the other name for france is glory he added and all true frenchmen love both names i am a true frenchman and he struck his breast a resounding blow with the hand that still held the watch a huge horn button on his buckskin jerkin came in contact with the crystal and there was a smash followed by a scattered tinkling of glass fragments all vincennes stood breathless contemplating the irreparable accident m roussillon had lost the effect of a great period in his speech but he was quick lifting the watch to his ear he listened a moment with superb dignity then slowly elevating his head and spreading his free hand over his heart he said the faithful timepiece still tells off the seconds and the loyal heart of its owner still throbs with patriotism oncle jason who stood in front of the speaker swung his shapeless cap as high as he could and yelled like a savage then the crowd went wild for a time vive la france avant l'angleterre everybody shouted at the top of his voice what france does we all do continued m roussillon when the noise subsided france has clasped hands with george washington and his brave compatriots so do we vive george washington shrieked oncle jason in a piercing treble tiptoeing and shaking his cap recklessly under m roussillon's nose the orator winced and jerked his head back but nobody saw it save perhaps father gibault who laughed heartily great sayings come suddenly unannounced and unexpected they have the mysterious force of prophetic accident combined with happy economy of phrasing the southern blood in m roussillon's veins was effervescing upon his brain his tongue had caught the fine freedom and abandon of inspired oratory he towered and glowed words fell melodiously from his lips his gestures were compelling his visage magnetic in conclusion he said frenchman america is the garden spot of the world and will one day rule it as did rome of old where freedom makes her home there is the centre of power it was in a little log church on the verge of a hummock overlooking a marshy wild meadow westward for two thousand miles stretched the unbroken prairies woods mountains deserts reaching to the pacific southward for a thousand miles rolled the green billows of the wilderness to the warm gulf shore 
northward to the pole and eastward to the thin fringe of settlements beyond the mountains all was houseless solitude if the reader should go to vincennes to-day and walk southward along second street to its intersection with church street the spot then under foot would be probably very near where m roussillon stood while uttering his great sentence mind you the present writer does not pretend to know the exact site of old st xavier church if it could be fixed beyond doubt the spot should have an imperishable monument of indiana stone when m roussillon ceased speaking the audience again exhausted its vocal resources and then father gibault called upon each man to come forward and solemnly pledge his loyalty to the american cause not one of them hesitated meantime a woman was doing her part in the transformation of post vincennes from a french english picket to a full-fledged american fort and town madame godère finding out what was about to happen fell to work making a flag in imitation of that under which george washington was fighting alice chanced to be in the godère home at the time and joined enthusiastically in the sewing it was an exciting task their fingers trembled while they worked and the thread heavily coated with beeswax squeaked as they drew it through the cloth we shall not be in time said madame godère i know we shall not everything hinders me my thread breaks or gets tangled and my needle's so rusty i can hardly stick it through the cloth oh dear alice encouraged her with both words and work and they had almost finished when rené came with a staff which he had brought from the fort mon dieu but we have had a great meeting he cried he was perspiring with excitement and fast walking leaning on the staff he mopped his face with a blue handkerchief we heard much shouting and noise said madame godère m roussillon's voice rose loud above the rest he roared like a lion ah he was speaking to us he was very eloquent rene replied but now they are waiting at the fort for the new flag i have come for it it is ready said madame godère with flying fingers alice sewed it to the staff voici she cried vive la république américaine she lifted the staff and let the flag droop over her from head to foot give it to me said rene holding forth a hand for it and i'll run to the fort with it no said alice her face suddenly lighting up with resolve no i am going to take it myself and without a moment's delay off she went rene was so caught by surprise that he stood gazing after her until she passed behind a house where the way turned the shining flag rippling around her and her moccasins twinkling as she ran at the blockhouse awaiting the moment when the symbol of freedom should rise like a star over old vincennes the crowd had picturesquely broken into scattered groups alice entered through a rent in the stockade as that happened to be a shorter route than through the gate and appeared suddenly almost in their midst it was a happy surprise a pretty and catching spectacular apparition of a sort to be thoroughly appreciated by the lively french fancy of the audience the men caught the girl's spirit or it caught them and they made haste to be noisy v'la v'la la petite alice et la bannière de george washington look look little alice and george washington's flag shouted oncle jason he put his wiry little legs through a sort of pas de zephyr and winked at himself with concentrated approval all the men danced around and yelled till they were hoarse by this time rene had reached alice's side but she did not see him 
she ran into the blockhouse and climbed up a rude ladder-way then she appeared on the roof still accompanied by rene and planted the staff in a crack of the slabs where it stood bravely up the colours floating free she looked down and saw m roussillon father gibault and father beret grouped in the centre of the area they were waving their hands aloft at her while a bedlam of voices sent up applause which went through her blood like strong wine she smiled radiantly and a sweet flush glowed in her cheeks no one of all that wild crowd could ever forget the picture sketched so boldly at that moment when after planting the staff alice stepped back a space and stood strong and beautiful against the soft blue sky she glanced down first then looked up her arms folded across her bosom it was a pose as unconsciously taken as that of a bird and the grace of it went straight to the hearts of those below she turned about to descend and for the first time saw that rene had followed her his face was beaming what a girl you are he exclaimed in a tone of exultant admiration never was there another like you alice walked quickly past him without speaking for down in the space where some women were huddled aside from the crowd looking on she had seen little adrienne boursier she made haste to descend now that her impulsively chosen enterprise was completed her boldness deserted her and she slipped out through a dilapidated postern outside the crowd on her right was the river while southward before her lay a great flat plain beyond which rose some hillocks covered with forest the sun blazed between masses of slowly drifting clouds that trailed creeping fantastic shadows across the marshy waste alice walked along under cover of the slight landswell which then more plainly marked than it is now formed the contour line of hummock upon which the fort and village stood a watery swale grown full of tall aquatic weeds meandered parallel with the bluff so to call it and there was a soft melancholy whispering of wind among the long blades and stems she passed the church in father beret's hut and continued for some distance in the direction of that pretty knoll upon which the cemetery is at present so tastefully kept she felt shy now as if to run away and hide would be a great relief indeed so relaxed were her nerves that a slight movement in the grass and cat-tail flags near by startled her painfully making her jump like a fawn little friend not be afraid said a guttural voice in broken french little friend not make noise at a glance she recognized long hair the indian rising out of the matted marsh growth it was a hideous vision of embodied cunning soullessness and murderous cruelty not tell white man you see me he grunted interrogatively stepping closer to her he looked so wicked that she recoiled and lifted her hands defensively she trembled from head to foot and her voice failed her but she made a negative sign and smiled at him turning as white as her tanned face could become in his left hand he held his bow while in his right he half lifted a murderous-looking tomahawk what new flag mean he demanded waving the bow's end toward the fort and bending his head down close to hers who yonder the great american father has taken us under his protection she explained we are big knives now it almost choked her to speak ugh hate damn fools he said with a dark scowl little friend much damn fool he straightened up his tall form and stood leering at her for some seconds then added little friend get killed scalped maybe 
the indescribable nobility of animal largeness symmetry and strength showed in his form and attitude but the expression of his countenance was absolutely repulsive cold hard beastly he did not speak again but turned quickly and stooping low disappeared like a great brownish-red serpent in the high grass which scarcely stirred as he moved through it somehow that day made itself strangely memorable to alice she had been accustomed to stirring scenes and sudden changes of conditions but this was the first time she had ever joined actively in a public movement of importance then too long hair's picturesque and rudely dramatic reappearance affected her imagination with an indescribable force moreover the pathetic situation in the love affair between rene and adrienne had taken hold of her conscience with a disturbing grip but the shadowy sense of impending events of which she could form no idea was behind it all she had not heard of brandywine or bunker hill or lexington or concord but something like a waft of their significance had blown through her mind a great change was coming into her idyllic life she was indistinctly aware of it as we are sometimes of an approaching storm while yet the sky is sweetly blue and serene when she reached home the house was full of people to whom m roussillon in the gayest of moods was dispensing wine and brandy vive Zors washington shouted oncle jason as soon as he saw her and then they all talked at once saying flattering things about her madame roussillon tried to scold as usual but the lively chattering of the guests drowned her voice i suppose the american commander will send a garrison here someone said to father gibault and repair the fort probably the priest replied in a very few weeks meantime we will garrison it ourselves and we will have m roussillon for commander spoke up rené de ronville who was standing by a good suggestion assented father gibault let us organize at once immediately the word was passed that there would be a meeting at the fort that evening for the purpose of choosing a garrison and a commander everybody were promptly at the hour set m roussillon was elected captain by acclamation with rené de ronville as his lieutenant it was observed that oncle jason had resumed his dignity and that he looked into his cap several times without speaking meantime certain citizens who had been in close relations with governor abbott during his stay quietly slipped out of town manned a bateau and went up the river probably to watonon first and then to detroit doubtless they suspected that things might soon grow too warm for their comfort it was thus that vincennes and fort sackville first acknowledged the american government and hoisted the flag which as long as it floated over the blockhouse was lightly and lovingly called by every one la bannière d'alice roussillon father gibault returned to fort kaskaskia and a little later captain leonard helm a jovial man but past the prime of life arrived at vincennes with a commission from colonel clark authorizing him to supersede m roussillon as commander and to act as indian agent for the american government in the department of the wabash he was welcomed by the villagers and at once made himself very pleasing to them by adapting himself to their ways and entering heartily into their social activities m roussillon was absent when captain helm and his party came rené de ronville nominally in command of the fort but actually enjoying some excellent grouse shooting with a bell-mouthed old fowling-piece on a distant prairie could not be present to deliver up the post and as there was no garrison just then visible helm took possession without any formalities 
i think lieutenant that you'd better look around through the village and see if you can scare up this captain what's-his-name said the new commander to a stalwart young officer who had come with him i can't think of these french names without getting my brain in a twist do you happen to recollect the captain's name lieutenant yes sir gaspard roussillon it reads in colonel clark's order but i am told that he's away on a trading tour said the young man you may be told anything by these hair-tongued parlez-vous helm remarked it won't hurt anyway to find out where he lives and make a formal call just for appearance sake and to inquire about his health i wish you would try it sir and let me know the result the lieutenant felt that this was a peremptory order and turned about to obey promptly and i say beverly come back sober if you possibly can helm added in his most genial tone thinking it a great piece of humour to suggest sobriety to a man whose marked difference from men generally of that time was his total abstinence from intoxicating drinks lieutenant fitzhugh beverly was a virginian of virginians his family had long been prominent in colonial affairs and boasted a record of great achievements both in peace and in war he was the only son of his parents and heir to a fine estate consisting of lands and slaves but like many another of the restless young cavaliers of the old dominion he had come in search of adventure over into kentucky along the path blazed by daniel boone and when clark organized his little army the young man's patriotic and chivalrous nature leaped at the opportunity to serve his country under so gallant a commander beverly was not a mere youth although yet somewhat under thirty educated abroad and naturally of a thoughtful and studious turn he had enriched his mind far beyond the usual limit among young americans of the very best class in that time and so he appeared older than he really was an effect helped out by his large and powerful form and grave dignity of bearing clark who found him useful in emergencies cool intrepid daring to a fault and possessed of excellent judgment sent him with helm hoping that he would offset with his orderly attention to details the somewhat go-as-you-please disposition of that excellent officer beverly set out in search of the french commander's house impressed with no particular respect for him or his office somehow americans of anglo-saxon blood were slow to recognize any good qualities whatever in the latin creoles of the west and south it seemed to them that the frenchman and the spaniard were much too apt to equalize themselves socially and matrimonially with indians and negroes the very fact that for a century while anglo-americans had been in constant bloody warfare with savages frenchmen had managed to keep on easy and highly profitable trading terms with them tended to confirm the worst implication eat frogs and save your scalp was a bit of contemptuous frontier humour indicative of what sober judgment held in reserve on the subject intent upon his formal mission lieutenant beverly stalked boldly into the enclosure at roussillon place and was met on the gallery by madame roussillon in one of her worst moods she glared at him with her hands on her hips her mouth set irritably aslant upward her eyebrows gathered into a dark knot over her nose it would be hard to imagine a more forbidding countenance and for supplementary effect out popped hunchback jean to stand behind her with his big head lying back in the hollow of his shoulders and his long chin elevated while he gawped intently up into beverly's face bonjour madame said the lieutenant lifting his hat and speaking with a pleasant accent would it be agreeable to captain roussillon for me to see him a moment despite beverly's cleverness in using the french language he had a decided brusqueness of manner and a curt turn of voice not in the least gallic 
true the soft virginian intonation marked every word and his obeisance was as low as if madame roussillon had been a queen but the light french grace was wholly lacking what do you want of my husband madame roussillon demanded nothing unpleasant i assure you madame said beverly well he's not at home monsieur he's up the river for a few days she relaxed her stare untied her eyebrows and even let her hands fall from her shelf-like hips thank you madame said beverly bowing again i am sorry not to have seen him as he was turning to go a shimmer of brown hair streaked with gold struck upon his vision from just within the door he paused as if in response to a military command while a pair of grey eyes met his with a flash the cabin room was ill-lighted but the crepuscular dimness did not seem to hinder his sight beyond the girl's figure a pair of slender swords hung crossed aslant on the wall opposite the low door beverly had seen in the old world galleries pictures in which the shadowy and somewhat uncertain background thus forced into strongest projection the main figure yet without clearly defining it the rough frame of the doorway gave just the rustic setting suited to alice's costume the most striking part of which was a greyish short gown ending just above her fringed buckskin moccasins around her head she had bound a blue kerchief a wide corner of which lay over her crown like a loose cap her bright hair hung free upon her shoulders in tumbled half curls as a picture the figure and its entourage might have been artistically effective but as beverly saw it in actual life the first impression was rather embarrassing somehow he felt almost irresistibly invited to laugh though he had never been much given to risibility the blending or rather the juxtaposition of extremes a face a form immediately witching and a costume odd to grotesquerie had made an assault upon his comprehension at once so sudden and so direct that his dignity came near being disastrously broken up a splendidly beautiful child comically clad would have made much the same half delightful half displeasing impression beverly could not stare at the girl and no sooner had he turned his back upon her than the picture in his mind changed like a scene in a kaleidoscope he now saw a tall finely developed figure and a face delicately oval with a low wide forehead arched brows a straight slightly tip-tilted nose a mouth sweet and full dimpled cheeks and a strong chin set above a faultless throat his imagination in casting off its first impression was inclined to exaggerate alice's beauty and to dwell upon its picturesqueness he smiled as he walked back to the fort and even found himself whistling gaily a snatch from a rollicking fiddle tune that he had heard when a boy End of chapter five